Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning. To all of our friends joining us online, those listening on the radio and those in the room, we welcome you. And it's a pleasure to be able to share God's Word with you today. And if you don't know, my name is Jimmy. I'm one of the pastors here at FCC. The last couple of weeks, as Gary shared, we've been in this relationship series called Wrecked and Restored, how to heal or heal from your broken relationships. Life is not just about the destination, but the relationships that we make along the way. One reason that the Bible speaks so much to relationships is because God knew it was going to be one of the best parts about our life, but he also knew at times it would be one of the most painful parts. Week one, we talked about us needing the right kind of relationships, people ahead of us, people beside us, and those coming up behind us. And last week, week two, we talked about when it's okay to walk away from relationships, when there is persistent adultery, abandonment, and abuse. And if you missed either of those two messages, I would encourage you to check them out at fccfm.org. This week, we're going to talk about how we can heal our broken relationships. And as Matt shared the last two weeks, there are some applications that we're talking about in this series that absolutely apply to marriage, but they also apply to our relationship with God, family members, and friends. So there's something for everybody in the room this morning. And you can ask anyone that's walking through a season of singleness or even being a widow, and they'll tell you that they still have issues with people. Like that's a thing. Like people cause issues. Anyways. I want to share something with you. One of my mentors taught me as a young minister 16 years ago, and I I still share this with folks when they're navigating a difficult season in their relationship, or maybe they're getting ready to get married. You know, as as children, we, we learn about what to do when there's fire. And I remember as a kid, the fire department would come to our school, and they would teach you that if you catch on fire, you're supposed to stop, drop, and roll. And then if the building that you're in is on fire, they tell you to do whatever you can to get out, find the nearest exit and get out as soon as you possibly can. The thing with this week's series is what if you couldn't get out? What if there was no exit available? The truth is, is you would grab everything that's alive in that house and you would die trying to put the fire out. Some of us have experienced relationships that were on fire in a good way, but all of us have experienced relationships at times that were on fire in a painful kind of way. We get to choose how we respond to those. And what we're talking about today, if your relationship is worth saving, it's worth saving. We want to discover how to heal a broken relationship because our broken relationships can be healed, but it's not going to come easy. Healing a broken relationship takes hard work, whether it's with a friend or a spouse. That's our big idea for today. Relationships can be healed, but it takes a lot of God honoring hard work. But again, if it's worth it, the work will be worth it. You know, healing and reconciliation and new beginnings are the undercurrent of the gospel. That's the thing that we cling to. Reconciliation simply means the restoration of two people, parties, or entities. And Jesus, he came to reconcile us to God, and once we've experienced that love and that mercy and that redemption, we get the opportunity to do that for other people. We're going to read this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 18. 
And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Think about that. Jesus chose to take on our sin on the cross. He humbled himself to pay the price for you and for me. And here's the thing. He's not the one to screw up the relationship. He's stepping in on our behalf for reconciliation. So here's the thing. God is definitely an authority to speak on this subject. And I want to encourage you today, as we, as we jump into this message, I want to encourage you to allow God to speak to your heart. Because there are some of us right now in this moment that maybe you are in full-blown emergency mode, like things are falling apart, the, the, the ship is busting at the seams. But for some of you, maybe you're at the very beginning stages of that, and the truth is, is that those things are easier to repair if you catch them before they go really bad. You know, Matt shared stories about vehicles and accidents in the first two weeks, and I don't know his children well enough to tell stories about them crashing cars, but I do have a story for you with a vehicle. When I was a youth pastor in Central Florida 12 years ago, I was buying a van from a guy named Everton. He was a great guy from our church, a dear Jamaican brother, and I was at his shop. And I love going to Everton's shop because my man knew how to sell, and he knew how to do a lot of things. He had a four-bay garage, so four garage doors. Two of them was for working on cars, and he was giving me an awesome deal on a van. And then the third bay um, was for detailing cars, and the fourth bay was my favorite. It's where he would cook all day his grandma's recipe of Jamaican jerk chicken. Like, there's nothing better than going to get your oil change and be able to eat some fresh Jamaican jerk chicken. I don't know if he had, like, permits and stuff for that, like oil in one bay and Jamaican jerk chicken in the other. I don't know. I, I do know that in heaven, when we feast, we will have the recipe. But one day I go because he was working on the van, and I'm sitting there, and it kind of surprised me. I was enjoying some chicken, because why not? And I wanted to, you know, bless my brother, you know, pay for the chicken too. And so I'm sitting there, and this guy rolls out from underneath the car, and he's one of my students in my student ministry. And I was surprised to see him. His name is Ebo. And I was like, Ebo, Ebo's still in high school. And I was like, Ebo, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> and he said, he kind of stumbled on his words. He said, well, I'm, I have kind of an internship, I'm helping change oil in cars. I was like, oh, that's, that's awesome. Cool. So I, I go to church on Sunday, and I see his dad, Dr. Ensua, one of our elders. And I went up to Dr. Ensua, and I said, man, it's so good to see Ebo learning how to work on his car, and he's working with Everton. Have you had the jerk chicken, by the way? It's really good there. And so we talked about that. He said, did Ebo tell you why he's at Everton's shop? I said, no, he didn't tell me why. He said, well, he said, we bought him a car. And we saved up and we purchased him a car and it had a major oil leak. And because we put all our money into purchasing the car, we couldn't fix the oil leak right away. So I told him once a week, you need to check the oil in the car. Well, after a couple of weeks of reminders stopped, Ebo kind of forgot. And one day he's on his way to school and the motor blew up. And the reason why the motor blew up is because there was no oil in the motor left. It was completely dry. And so his dad, you know, some of you guys like ground your kids from a cell phone for a day. His dad made a decision. He never wanted Ebo to forget this. So he made a decision to um, 
tell Everton that Ebel would change the oil in every car that came into his shop for the rest of the school year. Now, Ebo is older, he's older and a grown adult now. He works on a city council. Last time we talked, I always bring the car thing up. And, and he said, even in his new cars, he still checks the oil, even though they have a sensor. <laughs> but why is that so important? The reason why that's so important is because regular maintenance is typically cheaper than a major repair. And that's true for vehicles, but it's true for our relationships. So how do we deal how do we heal from a broken relationship? To answer this, we're going to look at a letter to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, and they found themselves kind of being disconnected from God, even though they were doing some good things for God. We can all find ourselves there too. So we'll pick up in Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. To the angel of the Lord in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I want you to pay close attention to the middle there in verse number four. It says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. In the New King James Version, it says, you have left your first love. What Jesus is saying here, he's trying to tell the Ephesian Christians how to reignite, restart their relationship and their love for God, if you will. Jesus is giving this message to the Ephesians, encouraging them what they're doing right, but also calling out what they're doing wrong. And he has a lot of good things to say about them, but he also talks about how they have forsaken their love for God, that instead of him being a priority in their life, he just kind of became a thing. And this is powerful, but here's the thing, guys. It's not just for the Ephesian church. It's for us too. It shows us how we can also reignite our relationship with God and reignite and heal from the brokenness in our relationships that need repair. So how do we heal from broken relationships. Number one, we recognize. We recognize where we're at and that something needs to change. In verse four there, you've forsaken your first love. To recognize means to acknowledge something formally, to admit the existence of something, to take notice, to perceive something clearly. This is God's way of saying, hello, like it's time for you to pay attention. There was a song that released in the early 90s by a hip-hop artist that includes the lyrics, check yourself before you wreck yourself. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. (laughs) You need to recognize that Houston, we have a problem. We need to do something about this. But this also means that we need to stop making the problem worse. There's an old adage known as the law of holes. And the first law of holes states, if you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Very simple. Digging a hole makes it deeper, harder to get back out of. We need to own our mess. We need to recognize that there is a problem. Proverbs 28, 13, it says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will 
receive mercy. You know that if we just ignore something, it doesn't go away. It actually gets worse. We need to stop digging the hole. We need to slow down. We need to listen. James 119, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to get angry. Several years ago when I was working with the counselor, he told me that no healing comes without intentional steps. And I've learned that in my own life. Unless I'm willing to take those intentional steps, things actually don't change. Recognize what you've lost in your relationship, whether that be with God or with a spouse or with a friend. Recognize the issue. Take ownership because nothing changes until you do. And the next step is, is the, I think, the harder one in between these two. You typically don't find healing without this step. When you're in a relationship with someone, it's easy to just identify their problem, right? We can all say that, right? Like they have a, the problem, especially if they hurt you. You could say they did this to me or maybe you've hurt them. But when there's an impact and it's in a negative way by someone in a relationship, the thing you need to understand is you don't have a problem or they don't have a problem. Y'all have a problem, right? Like now collective, we have a problem. The first word that begins the healing process is recognized. The second, number two, is repent. Repent. Repentance is not just a prayer or a plea for forgiveness. It literally means to change directions. We're going in this direction. It's no longer working. It's taking us further from where we're supposed to be. We need to turn back and go this way. We need to go in a new direction. We need to change our minds and our actions. Revelation 2 verse 5 that we just read through. Look how far you have fallen. And then Jesus says, turn back to me. Change direction. There have been times in broken relationships that I have been in where I was the catalyst for the brokenness. But there have been times that I was not. But you know what I realized? I realized even in those instances that if I would actually be willing to step up and embrace this thought of repentance, it would open up a space for healing to take place. Like, listen, I, you hurt me bad, but I know that I don't always get it right, and maybe there was something I did that I wasn't aware of, and if so, will you forgive me and help me understand what that was? In James 4, 6, and he, God, gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I don't know about you, friends, but I don't want God to oppose me. I want to be on the embracing side. And that's true of my relationship with God, and it's true of my relationship with others. Humility goes a really long way, and humble pie still has zero calories. I was getting a haircut several months back, and uh, one of the barbers in there, a friend of mine, he said, Jimmy, I need you to pray for me. Now, he knows I'm in ministry, but these are not the typical conversations we have. Typically, him and the guys in the shop are chopping it up, do what they do, and, um, and uh, you know, I just laugh sometimes, and, but he's like, I need you to pray for me. The whole shop got quiet because they heard this guy ask me to pray for him, and I said, why? He said, man, the devil is fighting me hard. I'm like, Something's about, this is weird. I don't know what's happening because he don't talk like that. And I said, okay, explain it to me. I said, what, what's going on? He said, well, the devil is my fiance. <laughs> he said, Jimmy, she has lost her mind. Like she's lost her mind. Like, 
He said, I need, I need God to protect me. I tried to talk to her. It didn't go well. So I asked, so tell me what you said to her. He said, well, I told her she's acting like the devil. I said, you're acting like the devil. You have lost your mind. You need to go to counseling. I'm good. You need to get yourself figured out. Interesting. I said, so what did you do to cause that kind of reaction out of her after you said those ignorant things to her? He said, we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about her. I need you to help me. I just want to say this. That's not a good way to heal a broken relationship. Telling them that they're the devil and demanding that they get counseling because there's nothing wrong with you. That's not a good way to start this thing out. There needs to be recognition. There needs to be repentance. And not just words. Not just I'm sorry. But we need to change directions. And there also needs to be number three, a return. A return is to go back. And sometimes, in fact, oftentimes, in order to move forward in your relationship, you have to return to once you what, what you once had. And this is not just something you say. This is something you do. And maybe you have found this to be true in your life. But honestly, the things that cause me to stay stuck sometimes, it's not just the sin in my life. It's the shame because of the sin. Shame sometimes will keep you further away from the things God's trying to do in your life than sin will. But that's why there has to be a return. Revelation 2.5, look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and then do your first works. Do the works you did at first. Do the works you did at first. Your first works over. You know, that, that, that friend of yours that you're having issues with, there was a season of your life maybe that you used to have coffee and you haven't done that for a long time, but you really want to have healing in that relationship, maybe it's an opportunity for you to set up a coffee meetup once again. You know, when a marriage is in trouble, sometimes they recognize that they want some input, and sometimes they'll make an appointment with a pastor and come talk to us about it. And it does not take more than a few moments before somebody in that conversation says something to the effect of, well, we used to. We used to do this. We Used to, he used to, she used to. And, and as they go on, there's a whole lot more of used to. Some of that brokenness will literally start to find healing in the moment that we stop used toing and we return to do some of those first works over again. Again, true in our relationship with Jesus, true in our relationship with others. Traditional wedding vows include powerful words like for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, and sickness. And in health, and these words paint a picture of commitment, but the reality is that most of us want the better, right? We say that, but we want the better. How many want the richer? You don't have to raise your hands, all right? So, you know, we want the health, but our vows actually gain their value when circumstances are less than ideal. And here's the thing all relationships take effort. All relationships, even great relationships that you would look at and say, man, they are so happy. They are so healthy. I want what they have. But you don't know what they had to do to get there. If we really believe in a relationship, there's no reason for us not to invest in it. All of us are going to have for better or for worse seasons of our life. You know, the effort that we make in cultivating these, cultivating these relationships through all circumstances makes the difference on how they end up. Leviticus 6.13, a fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. 
In order for that to be true, someone had to intentionally go and get the firewood, go and get the fuel, and put it on the fire. Our relationships are no different. We all have to own this. We have to take responsibility for adding fuel to the fire in our relationships. For some of us, that includes returning to the things we did when we were falling in love or building our relationship. I want to bring it back to Jesus for a moment, to God, our relationship with the Lord. When it comes to God, don't just talk to God on Sunday. We all know that we need a moral Monday, right? Amen? We all we know. Some of you need him this morning when somebody cut you off and you wanted to tell them they were number one. <laughs> Not that that happened to anybody. Talk to him like you used to. Spend time in the Bible like you did when you first became a believer. And if you haven't put your trust in Christ yet, give him a try. Start. Don't just spend time to make up for lost time with your kids. Maybe revisit some of those memories and they were good. Return and create new ones. Create new memories. Invest. The past is gone. Be present now. Date your spouse. Buy the flowers. Dance in the living room. Take that weekend. Get away with your spouse before you take it with your friends. Replace the words we used to with things that are life-giving. Do the things that you did at first. If you want to heal your broken relationship, recognize the problem and stop the bleeding. Repent, change your mind and your actions. Return, do the things you did at first that ignited your relationship finally. Number four, restore. If you and the other person in the relationship will genuinely and authentically do the things that we're talking about, God will do his part. God will bring restoration in your relationship. Revelation 2.7, Jesus concludes his words to the Ephesian church, to everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Jesus is telling the Ephesians that they will reignite their relationship with God. They can look forward to a heavenly paradise full of restoration to the way that it was intended in the beginning. And in the same way, if you will recognize, repent, then God will restore. As you return back to those things, he will bring restoration into your relationship in a way that only he do. Ephesians 3.20 is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. This is true for our relationship with Jesus. This is true for the work that God's called us to. This is true for our relationships with others. He is still able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. But you need to know this. None of this is possible without love and forgiveness. Without love and forgiveness. 1 John 4.19 reminds us of this. That we can love because he first loved us. When we were dead in our trespasses and sin. He first loved us. He chose us. Colossians 3.13 tells us that we can forgive because he forgave us. You know I can speak to this because like all of you. I've hurt some people. And like all of you, I've been hurt too. And I've screwed up too. And I don't have to know your pain to know that it's real. You know, after walking through a divorce a number of years ago that I did not choose, but I could not stop, a dear friend reminded me to forgive every day until I don't have to. And one day I didn't have to anymore. Forgive the other person. Forgive yourself. Even from the things that are going on, God, you know, here's the thing. If you do this and the other person doesn't engage with you, God will still bring restoration to you. And in time, God, he can work in their story when they're ready. But God can bring healing 
and reconciliation to your broken relationships. Recognize, repent, return, restore. That brings us to our takeaway for today. To pick one thing that you used to do in one of your most important relationships and do it again this week. Do one thing that you used to do and do it again this week. Go on a date with your spouse. Go to a movie with a friend. Have a drink on your back deck with a neighbor. Have lunch with a treasured coworker or somebody from the church. For those that, you're, that are staying home, write a letter. Pick up the phone and have a conversation with somebody about something that has nothing to do with what's on the news. Encourage their hearts. Listen. Be fully connected to the people closest to you because if a relationship is worth saving, it's worth your investment. And I want to say this before we pray today. I know that these things are easier to say than to do. And for some of you today, you may be struggling. You may be thinking, man, I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I don't know if this is possible, but I can walk, look around this room today and there are some people in this room that said those words to me or Gary or some of our other pastors in the past and God's done it in their life and you're no different than them. You know, there was a song that I learned when I was a teenager. <clears throat> just a simple chorus. I just can't give up now. I've come too far from where I started from. And nobody told me the road would be easy. But I know he didn't bring me this far to leave me. God's not left you. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for loving us. God, you love us like nobody could. And God, I know that we live our life in seasons. Everyone in this room is in a different season in their life. But God, there are those that the last two weeks' messages were necessary and applicable to right now, and there are those that this message this week is applicable right now. And for some, they are in dire straits in an emergency mode, and the sirens are going off, and some, God, they're in the beginning stages of this. God, I pray that, again, even as that prayer was in Revelation, God, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. God, help us to recognize Help us to come to a place of repentance, to be able to return and to trust you for restoration. Wherever we're at today, God, you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Thank you for reconciling us to God. God, help us continue to be people of reconciliation. Touch those that are hurting today, Jesus. We thank you so much, God, that you can change the story. This may be a chapter, but you're not finished with their story. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you for all these things. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.